0: A waterfall made of sapphires. This enormous jewel the size of a glacier reaches the cliffs of oblivion and then shatters into sapphires at the edge They fall a hundred thousand feet into a crystal ravine. I you say that to all the girls. Oh, come on. They're boarding now. It's done fun if I see it on my own. Four hours. That's a little take. No, that's four
1: hours there. Four hours. That's like a school trip. I'd rather go
0: sunbathing. You be careful. That's ex-tonic sunlight.
1: Oh, I'm safe. It says in the brochure this glass is 15 feet thick. All right, I'll
0: give up. I'll be back for dinner. We'll try that anti-gravity restaurant with bibs. That's
2: a day. Well, not a day. Oh, you know what I mean. Oh, get off. See you later. Oi, and you be careful, all right? Ah, taking a big space truck with a bunch of strangers across the diamond planet called Midnight. What could possibly go wrong?
3: Welcome back to Who and Company. I'm Brett. And I'm Drew. We hadn't originally planned it this way, but April has become a bit of an unconventional month on this podcast. This year, we're throwing a regular format out the window to bring you several small segments and three,
1: count them three, interviews. But these aren't ordinary interviews. Rather than reaching out to the world of Doctor Who fandom, two of this month's guests can be found a little closer to home. But to make sure we haven't reversed the polarity completely, we're going to start by sitting down with Richard Franklin, who
3: I got to spend some time with in February at Gallifrey One. And that's all coming up right after this.
4: Everything all right, miss? It <sighs> wasn't
1: till you came along. He took years off my life creeping about like
0: that. Well, I didn't want to disturb the doc. What's he up to?
3: Well, at the moment, he's carrying on rather like a one-man food and wine
4: society.
2: Well, talking of food, you, uh, you couldn't get us a bite to eat, could you, miss?
0: Famished. Hang on. Joe? in oh, a good cause. Ah, you saved my life. Sir Benton! Sir! Just what do you think you're up to, Benton? Uh, I was just checking, sir. Yes, well, I want you to go and check on number three patrol. Move, Sergeant Benton. Sir. Joe, how thoughtful. Well,
4: that wasn't very kind of you.
0: RHIP, Joe.
4: Pardon?
0: Rank has its privileges. Thank you.
3: So uh, our guest today is actually a returning guest. Mm -hmm. Um, At this convention, at least, the ubiquitous Mr. Richard Franklin. I've run into you pretty much everywhere, Uh, and I know that we haven't got a chance to sit down and and talk in a little while, but last time we did, we learned some fascinating things about some work that you have been doing, and I just thought it would be kind of nice to just sit down and catch up with you. Uh, and see hey, how nice you've to been. Up with you. Yeah, in the, for the last year or so, and it sounds like you've been very busy. So I just thought we could take a few minutes and, and talk about that.
0: Sure, uh, I've been very busy, but uh, not actually earning money. Uh, I've been very busy writing. Sure, and uh, the, the, the time lag between writing something or having a good idea and then writing something and actually getting any money for it is often quite considerable.
3: I imagine and a yeah. de- both detrimental and a little discouraging.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. Actually, um, the things that I've been involved in are a couple of plays. <clears throat> uh, one was a play based on um, a papers, family papers, about a family member who was killed in the First World War. Um, and it was really successful and um, it, um, um, it, it it was very successful, and uh, um, I think people found it extremely moving. Well, I found it moving myself, actually. So,
3: when you see family papers, these are your family papers from, oh, from of your family, family? Yeah. and yeah. and where were, were these papers that you were aware of prior to, or is it a
0: recent discovery? To me, they were given to me when I was fifteen uh, by one of my aunts, and. Uh, I cried every time I read the book. It was a huge book that was uh, published by my grandfather. oh, and a um, sort of just you know a, a family edition mm-hmm. um, It was printed, but it also contained in it um, some original documents which were quite interesting, um, pencil drawings of the uh, dugout that uh, he was in and um, sort of done with a blunt pencil, probably the only pencil they could get hold of of on a scrappy bit of paper. And, uh, I mean, it it is quite extraordinary. I mean, um, yes, we all know about all the suffering they had, and uh, it was absolutely ghastly. Um, And there's been a a recent um, film, I don't know whether you've seen it, uh, a colourised version of documentary you probably have seen it. Is I haven't. It I haven't yeah. seen
3: it, but it's Peter Jackson's, yeah. and it's "They Will Never Die." No, uh, but I, I know which one that you're. Yeah. I know the one you're speaking of. I just haven't well, seen I it yet.
0: My cast um, of four. I took them to see the film, and myself to see the film, and I was really pleased to find that I had covered really all the same points that he has, um, and um, of course it was a re- it was. There were some things that really surprised um we were all surprised for example that when the armistice was declared there wasn't a sort of huge cheer and Hooray! you know the, the 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 war is over they were just numb mm-hmm. and they just thought it's a day's work done and we're going home which was you know it was quite Quite sobering, really. I mean, they must have suffered so much, all of them. Didn't matter who they were. Terrible. But anyway, the play I'm working on now uh, is uh, quite the reverse. It's a very light comedy. It's an absurdist comedy.
3: So very different from the the tragedy of the First World War.
0: It's a real escape. Real escape. It's about um, Queen Mary, who was the wife of George V. Mm. And um, she had an unfortunate habit of, um, uh, well, it's called an illness really. It's called kleptomania. And uh, basically, she would go round all the big houses in the country, and um, and steal. Actually, it was really steely. Um, it was certainly an abuse of power. Um, and in fact, our present queen uh, has given back all the things that she nipped. Um, but um, that they could find owners for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I suspect probably some of the owners said, no, by all means, keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I mean, uh, my play is a very light hearted look at it. Sure. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> and some of the stories are really very funny indeed. Um, for instance, on one occasion, uh, she apparently went to the house of some old duchess and uh, she saw a Queen Anne sideboard. <laughs> I mean, that's a big bit of furniture. <laughs> it's huge. And she said how much she liked it and, and took it away with her. And um, uh, a very nice view She had very good taste. And um, uh, anyway, in return, she said, I, I gave the duchess... A brass tray I picked up on a stall in Bombay, and she was delighted with it. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm I mean, guessing you know, that she probably uh, wasn't.
3: What? I'm guessing she probably wasn't, or is it a gift from the Queen, yeah, something well, no, that's, it's worth bragging
0: rights? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's one. There's that's another story that I tell, um, which actually uh, was connected with my mother's godmother, who knew her, and uh, was also a very good needlewoman mm-hmm. and the Queen was a very, very good needlewoman indeed. And um, uh, she was... Um, she, uh, my mum's godmother had covered a workbox in something called trepanto, which is a, a sort of a padded style of, of 17th century needlework. Um, and, foolishly, she'd left it out in the hall and when the Queen came. And immediately the Queen saw it and thought it was a genuine old 17th century piece. And uh, she said, Oh, I do like that. Mm, I like it very much indeed. And apparently she went, didn't get an immediate answer from the godmother, because um, the godmother thought, um, you know, I don't want to offend the Queen, and she's got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's not a genuine peace. And uh, anyway, eventually, she went on, apparently, about this thing all the way through tea, and and after tea, um godmother decided that she would have to give it to her, um, which she did. And uh, she said, it, you know, um, I'd be very... Um, honoured, ma'am, if you would uh, accept this small gift from me. And um, do you know what the Queen's reply was? Well, you obviously don't know what the Queen's reply was, but the Queen's reply was, it's already in the car. <laughs> 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 Which is quite nice. And um, uh, so that is one of the stories that I tell. But there are all sorts of other ones. I was writing last night, actually, because we've been trying to get a a big enough statue of the Venus de Milo. But curiously enough, they're very difficult to get. And I mean, you'd thought there were millions of Venus de Milo's around. Well, I've maybe been looking in the wrong place, but we've looked on eBay, we've looked on Amazon, uh, we've looked whatever we can think of, we've Googled it, and um, we uh, haven't discovered anything. so, um, uh, uh, but the story—the story gets told, and it's quite funny. I mean, you could
3: always, if you're going to do something big like that, and you need it for prop, is it something that someone would carry off? You could just do a, a, a two-dimensional cardboard, and that way, they'd just be able to pick it up and just walk off with it, really well, easy. Well, we've done something similar <laughs> to that.
0: Actually, um, we've actually got a, um a, one of the. Um, um, those dummies they have in shop windows to sure. dress clothes on.
3: Oh, right, yeah, with just the...
0: And it's got no arms. Right. It's, it's perfect. Oh, That's really clever. Yeah.
3: Now, with your first play that we were talking about, with World War I, you were given a, a family heirloom, and that is yeah. the inspiration for that. So what is the inspiration for doing this one about Mary?
0: Uh, I was... Um, I did a job in, in Sweden... I was artistic director of a Swedish company and um, because of that I used to get invited by the British Council to go to embassy parties and um, I got to know the ambassador who was a published novelist and playwright and um, when he retired uh, I suddenly got a call one day out of the blue and he said, "Uh, Richard I'd like you to direct a play of mine so I said, "Oh, thank you very much And uh, when he gave me the script, it was not a play. It was a monologue. And I said, look, I'm not particularly interested in in directing a monologue. And it was, he'd cast it anyway, uh, but but that wouldn't have mattered, except that the person that um, uh, he got to play it was quite a difficult sort of a guy. Mm. And uh, an amateur, he wasn't a a professional. And I mean, for a, a a pro, to come on stage in a costume and read a monologue absolutely cold for an hour um, that 's quite a tall order, and um, I think this particular individual thought he would sort of prance around in a, in a frock and be funny, but you can 't do that for an hour, yeah, and um, anyway the, the long the short it was that. I wrote back to Richard Parsons, was the ambassador, and I said to him, um, "I will do it, but I think um, I, it should make a, a very good play, short play, and I gave him a scenario, um, and um, he, he agreed. Um, uh, so um, this is sort of Mark II, really, mm-hmm. because Mark I had this very difficult actor in." And, um, uh, I I mean, I write better now, anyway. So, I'm writing another version. Sure. Yeah, a new title and everything, yeah. Put it in the car, Cynthia, it's called.
3: What is it that you, just to be kind of blunt, what is it that you get out of writing? Um, Because it can't just be about a paycheck, I mean, no, this no, is it's not so when you you're, you're, this is this is yeah. a, a creative process, so what is it that you get out of that experience of going through that um, making you know writing it and prepping it and there's a lot that's involved that's a lot of work
0: thinking mm, please do um, a, a difficult question um, just the pure pleasure of creating something mm. That's, that's exactly all it is, to create something that I am satisfied with. Right. So, when you write these, do you also want to direct them as well? Not necessarily, but the only trouble is I've given scripts of mine to other people before and mm-hmm. they never do what I want them to do. Oh, yeah? Um, so, uh, to be quite honest, yes, I think I would never now let out a script of mine. I would, sure. Always insist on doing it myself. The first production, after that
3: Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah well, that's it's another kind of
0: matter. the the beauty of, of any kind of
3: creative work when it goes out there because you you know, any kind of collaborative piece and that includes theater or movies or television, is that the writer has something and by the director can add something to it, the actors bring something mm-hmm. to it, and you can have you can have the same director and the same writer and have different actors and you're still gonna you're gonna get something different out of it. And it has its pros and cons, I would imagine. Uh, but for you to be able to have your vision, I imagine mm. that that's quite important.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I suppose. When I said it's it purely the act of m- making something as perfect as you think you can get it, mm-hmm. that certainly is is one thing that drives you. Uh, the other is. Audience response. Sure. Um, uh, if, I'm, if I've made them laugh or cry uh, or be interested, um, that's cool. You yeah. Know, as far as I'm concerned, I've, that's, you know, point made. I know
3: many folks in the creative field who are already thinking about the next project, even while they're beginning the first one or putting the finishing touches on on a project. Are you already thinking about something else just in the back of your mind or something you want to do? Because I know that sometimes one creative act will spark the need for another. Uh, is there anything that you're looking forward to in the future or is it really just focusing on this project right now? Still with us?
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: sure. absolutely. Absolutely. No. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll go ahead and end it. Yeah. <laughs> <and you start laughs> no, no. Awful? No, it's fine. He's asleep in the middle of the I morning. was thinking, he's very deep in thought. He's really putting some thought into this. Yeah. He's asleep. Yeah. Check to make sure he's asleep. Okay. Yeah, I was. I so, do apologize. No, it's fine. Richard Franklin, thank you so much for yeah, taking this. Already. we probably no time. got enough an there anyway. I do. Thank you so yeah. much, time for for taking your time out and spending some time with us. No, lovely. No, not very nice to see you
0: again, anyway. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. Uh, Brent, you may have noticed uh, a bit of a pause at <laughs> the end of that interview. Yes. Uh, Richard Franklin did, in fact, fall asleep while talking to me. <laughs> I thought, I thought, uh, oh, he's really thinking about this question. He's really, really thinking about this question. <laughs> right. Right, he's not, he's not sick. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the inevitable, please, God, don't let Richard Franklin have died <laughs> uh, in the middle of my interview, um, which, thankfully, he didn't. He just, uh, he was really busy. Like, there wasn't a moment where I didn't see him at a panel in the lobby. Um, and he was just, I think, just kind of taking in the entirety of that convention. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think he probably gave up a little bit of sleep. And, but he had a good sense of humor about it. In fact, we had dinner... Uh, a large group of us the following evening, and he was telling everybody the story of how he fell asleep in our interview. So <laughs> I don't, I don't feel bad playing it. Uh, it's, it's a thing that happened. He was a real good sport about it. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun.
1: Well, our next guest is someone who isn't really a Doctor Who fan, but she knows one very well. I took a few minutes to sit down with my wife Tammy, and this is how it went. So I'm here today with my wife Tammy. Hey, Tammy. Hey, Brent. What's it like living with a Doctor Who fan?
4: Well, you want the good or the bad? Both. All the above. (laughs) Well, um, it is a lot of screaming and yelling when there's uh, some kind of new book or show or something Doctor Who, anything Doctor Who related.
1: Like today when they announced David Tennant is coming to Raleigh. Uh yep. So and I'm not the only one in your life. I got our two boys into it too. One so one more so than the other.
4: Yeah. Adrian is uh diehard and Caleb is like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But Adrian, goodness. I mean Yeah, I thought it was bad with just one crazy Doctor Who person. Now there's two. But that's it's a good thing because now I can say, "Hey, why don't you have Adrian?" go with you to this thing, or why don't you talk to Adrian about this Doctor Who stuff, because sometimes I have no clue what you're talking about. Sounds like Chinese.
1: <laughs> well, you're also surrounded by it at work, right?
4: Yes. Uh, uh, my friend and co-worker, uh, Winnie, she is also uh, a big Doctor Who fan. Uh, more of the recent Doctor Who, not so much the old stuff, but she would continuously like to throw out weird doctor who comments and i'd be like i have no idea what you're talking about and she'd be like tell brant he'll know
1: <laughs> you and i went to your very first convention almost two years ago so what was that like for you
4: that was definitely an experience the costumes alone were mind-boggling and pretty cool uh however it was definitely a very long waits in line for a picture of somebody
1: the main reason you wanted to go was to meet somebody there right
4: Yes, River Song. She's one of my favorites.
1: So for the past few years, on my birthday, every time my birthday rolls around, (laughs) she's already (laughs) making a face, I get to watch a classic Doctor Who story with Tammy, and I'm so excited. And uh, what do you think about it?
4: (laughs) Um. Sometimes you just have to do stuff for love. <laughs> so because it's your birthday, I agree to this one thing on your birthday. So I figure with all the give and take in marriage, this is my my, my give. But yeah, I, I suffer through with much explaining usually in the beginning. But thankfully, after the very first time you ever had us do this, that was like what? Like a three-hour one or something crazy? It was like so many parts and... It was all crazy. I was like, don't ever make me do this again. And then the next year you said, I swear, I promise, I promise, I won't. I'll find one that's really popular and that you'll love.
1: Oh, I've dropped them all on you. I had her watch Caves of Androzani one year, which she thought was okay. Um, <laughs> um, what was another one? Last year we watched um, Remembrance of the Daleks, and you thought that one was pretty good.
4: That wasn't bad. The one that was absolutely like, I was horrified. Was that baby doll one? With all oh, spirit heaven. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> gosh! I was like, they let little kids watch this? I'm terrified. This is just the creepiest thing I've ever seen. All
2: right.
4: <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're not the only ones that do that either. Uh, James from the Doctor Who podcast also has that with his wife on his birthday every year (laughs) and she suffers along with you so
4: oh i'm glad i'm not the only woman
1: (laughs) so um i have to ask i already know the answer to this so who's your favorite new series doctor matt smith (laughs) (laughs) why
4: because i love his personality it was just it i don't know it was good i i started watching it in the very end of David Tennant and that I was snooze fest right through, which I think people are horrified that I say that I just didn't, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I just couldn't, but then he regenerated and turned into my, my Dr. Who boyfriend <clears throat> Matt and I have been smitten with that guy ever since, but you know, he has changed again and again.
1: So if you had to pick one of the old ones, like the first through the seventh, as a favorite Doctor of the old series, which one would oh you pick? Oh,
4: my. I don't know. That's a tough one. Definitely not the first Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he was an old grumpy thing, wasn't he? Um yep. I don't know. I definitely wouldn't pick the – what's the one with the curly hair that was on in the 80s that I'm always telling you that was when I first ever even knew what Doctor Who was?
1: Oh, in the 70s. That was Tom Baker. Oh, yes,
4: Tom Baker. So, yeah. That freaked me out horribly in the 80s, early 80s, was when um, I saw a few of those and my dad would be watching it and the theme music would come on with the (laughs) opening credits (laughs) and I would start crying and I would be like, turn that scary show off, I'm scared. And then he was, you know, very stern-faced into the camera with all these sayings, so I would get so frightened. But probably if I'm thinking about... Personalities, is probably what's the guy with the celery on his shirt
1: peter davis yeah
4: he's he's great i, I like him because he's silly and funny and light-hearted which is pretty much why i love matt smith i think because he's just sweet and obviously it's river songs man so <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we just finished series 11 which had a new doctor jody whittaker tell me what you thought about this series because it was totally different than what's come along before recently I think
4: Yes um although I'm excited that there's a female doctor which technically the master when she's popped back in there she was a girl which tells you that time lords could be girls so I said that like way back cuz obviously even though I'm not a huge Dark Who fan I'm a genius <laughs> Yeah you
1: <laughs> You called it.
4: I did. So it's not that I don't love the new doctor. I just don't think I love like that. It's kind of slow. Maybe is that the right word? I'm thinking. So it's not
1: her. It's the stories.
4: I think so. Yeah. I'm not. I definitely am not in love. With this. However, what's Grandpa's name?
1: It's Bradley Walsh. That's uh, Graham.
4: Yeah, he's my favorite. I love him. <laughs> he's such a because he, he's not his biological grandfather, but because he married his grandmother but he's like so protective in the whole storyline of how what's his grandson's name ryan ryan him and ryan yeah like how that whole thing like transpired like how he didn't really want anything to do with his you know step grandpa and that
1: storyline i think was my favorite throughout the whole year yeah every time something like that would come up i was really paying attention to see what was going to happen and you know it wasn't a ton of action this year. Um, not a lot of danger or peril for any of the people on the show. Um, until the New Year's Day special, which was the best, I thought. And um, But Ryan was my favorite character this year.
4: What was the one with the big giant spiders? Was that the end one?
1: That was the fourth one.
4: Oh, yeah. That one was okay. I did not like that one. <laughs> go figure, go
1: figure Someone with the Trump wannabe in it And it was ridiculous Oh,
4: I didn't even pay any attention to that part I was yeah. just Those spiders were ginormous
1: <laughs> So like I said earlier They announced today that David Tennant Is coming to Raleigh To the local Raleigh Supercon So uh, what do you think? Is that is that enough of a big talent draw For you to come out with me?
4: Uh, negative, I think that is my cue to go do some laundry, and <laughs> I will talk to you later, Doctor Who man.
1: <laughs> Since our show began back in early 2017, we have featured several former members of The Doctor Who Podcast, which ended almost five years ago. This week, after a five-year hiatus,
3: episode 293 of The Doctor Who Podcast dropped. Uh, it's really good to hear our UK team back on the pod waves. Really enjoyed the first episode looking forward to the next episode for reasons. I don't need reasons to talk to our next guest. He's family. He is my oldest godson. He likes Doctor Who. So here we go. (laughs) My guest today is a nerd with unlimited potential. One of my best friends and my oldest godson. Simon Adams, welcome to Who and Company. Thanks. (laughs) So, uh... Is this your first podcast appearance? Uh, it is. That's cool. Uh, well, welcome welcome to the show. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Doctor Who. Uh, but first, let's talk about you. I sometimes forget about this. What grade are you in? Uh, I'm currently in eighth grade. That is terrifying. That is terrifying. You're going to be a high schooler next year. <laughs> um, I am. Oh, yeah. no. I'm so old. Uh, all right. Well... On this show, we mainly talk to our guests about Doctor Who, uh, and so I'm curious. Do you remember the first time you watched Doctor Who?
2: Um, I think the first time I watched Doctor Who was I was at a friend's house, and he told me he was like, "Oh, there's this cool show that I like called Doctor Who," and I was like, "Oh my god, uh, my godfather likes Doctor Who." He's like, "No way, we should watch the first episode," and I was like, "No, I don't want to watch the first episode." <laughs> And so I watched the first episode with him, and then I don't know. I didn't really watch it much after that. I kind of, I kind of was scared by the blob monsters. Yeah. Do you remember how old and, you were when you when this happened? Um, I think I was like ten or so. So, but I
3: d- can't be sh- certain. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, maybe nine. <laughs> it was this experience with your friend. Before or after, I showed you the Lodger. The Lodger. Oh, you don't remember watching the Lodger with me. All right, so I want—I really wanted you to watch Doctor Who, and you were—you were probably younger than than ten. So uh, yeah. I was so determined to to watch Doctor Who with you uh, that I sat down with your dad and we talked about like the things that might freak you out. And I decided on The Lodger, and that is the episode with Matt Smith, where he goes and he becomes roommates with Craig. Uh, Oh! I remember that. And we chose that one as your very first Doctor Who, because... I love that episode. Yeah, well, it's a fun episode. There's a lot of humor involved with it. Also, you had just started playing soccer, and so the Doctor plays a lot of soccer, and you really liked those parts. And then... The weird faceless uh, creatures living upstairs in the attic and the lightning uh, freaked you out a little bit. You definitely watched the last part of it with your uh, hands covering your face. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: hands covering my eyes. Uh, which is,
3: you know, this is fine, which is actually made me really happy. I remember just like kind of basking in your terror uh, <laughs> while, <laughs> while I was watching it. So yeah, that was that was uh, I think that was the first episode that you watched. But I, I'm glad that you you also got a chance to kind of watch it a little bit more concretely with your friends. And Rose is a good place to start. But you said it didn't really particular take with you.
2: Yeah, I mean the first episode, it, it scared me a little when I watched it. But also it was like it's kind of not super enticing. Yeah, for why me. is that? Um. Well, I think it doesn't really, like, explain anything at all. Uh Uh-huh. And you're left, or at least I was left, feeling very confused and also, like, not much happened. It's never really explained what those things are or what happened or where they're from or why it happened.
3: But I know recently, within the last couple of years, you did a watch-through, didn't you?
2: Uh, I did. I, well, in between now and then... There was a time when Doctor Who, like the first maybe seven seasons, maybe eight seasons, were on Netflix. Right. So, uh, me and so those same friends who I watched that first episode with, we would watch a lot of season like three through five. Uh huh. Specifically, a lot of the like really creepy episodes, like the, uh, the, the one in the library. What was that one called? The, uh, okay.
3: The Silence in the Library?
2: Yes, The Silence in the Library. That was one that we would just watch over and over again.
3: So, originally, things like uh, The Nesting Consciousness kind of freaked you out as a younger kid, but now you find yourself drawn to the spookier episodes.
2: I watched those episodes a lot. Just, uh, you know, I enjoyed being scared, and I didn't really care about the story that much. Okay. And then, yeah, now, uh, last year... Mostly during summer and the beginning of the school this school year, and uh, I did a full watch through of
3: Doctor Who. Do you have a favorite episode?
2: Um, I can't be certain. I think one that sticks out in my mind as being at least one of my favorites is the one where they're traveling through the like diamond, not diamond planet, like uh, yeah, like diamond planet in the box car.
3: Yeah, midnight.
2: Yeah, that one, and everyone's freaking out because the 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 like copycat being uh, enters the boxcar and start, just starts copying them. And I I don't know why, but I really really like that episode specifically.
3: Why do you, Why do you think that is?
2: I think there is like a creepy aspect to it, but it's also very interesting to see just like how people are almost getting like tricked by it it's not actually doing anything but copying people. Mm -hmm. It's just copying them before they can say what it's copying. Sure. So then, I don't even know, but it's like... I thought, first thing, that was a very interesting way to take that, because I've seen just the, like, copying thing of, like, aliens copying people in movies. Sure. But I haven't seen that happen before, and I thought that intrigued me. And I also just liked the idea of that specific monster and that it's very suspenseful and we never get an absolute uh, resolution of what actually happened.
3: I, Which is one of the reasons I love that episode, aside from the fact that they have a stellar cast and everyone's acting acting their pants off in that. So uh, that is a, a David Tennant episode. It's also a, a companion light episode. But do you... Is David Tennant your favorite of the Doctors?
2: For a while, I would say that Matt Smith was my favorite Doctor. Je, uh, I really liked... Uh, well, I thought the music in all of his seasons was very well done. Even though it was like one song played over and over, they really used it to great effect. Uh-huh. And I also liked how after his big story ended, with like all the time falling apart and stuff and getting restarted kind of changed into just kind of like this crazy old guy, Uh but in a youthful body. Yeah. And I also really enjoyed that character as well. Mm -hmm. So I think he had just a lot of like story going for him that other doctors and like a lot of, uh, not aura, but like theme going for him that, other Doctors didn't don't have Uh now uh, I don't know I don't once I get to the season that the Doctor is on that it will be my favorite Doctor (laughs) because you know it's what's happening now sure sure
3: there's nothing wrong with that
2: I think also the second most recent Doctor oh this is embarrassing don't don't worry about it old guy (laughs) the old guy Peter
3: Capaldi
2: yeah Peter Capaldi yeah, he's would be my other choice for my favorite doctor Uh-huh. because he's less of the same like, Oh, I can't kill anyone just no matter what I can't kill anyone. And he's like, just kind of doing whatever he wants.
3: <laughs> he's finding his way. Yeah. So do you ever just plop on an episode of Dr. Who? Cause you've just been thinking about it and you just kind of want to watch it. And if so, what what episodes does that tend to be
2: um well I, again i i mean i find myself watching a lot of matt smith and uh doctor 2 uh huh the second one uh, i find myself yeah watching them the most and usually it's like the mystery episodes that i like so like the uh, agatha christie episode uh, I've watched that one maybe five times. <laughs>
3: I'm so happy right now.
2: <laughs> uh, I've watched Silence in the Library definitely a lot of times. So I've watched those a lot. And I find myself watching the plot episodes less than I've seen other episodes. Hmm. So when you say I'd...
3: plot episodes, you're talking like the arc, like the main arc to a season? Or, um, I'm or talking
2: just... about that, but also... Just some episodes like the the one where he goes to the planet where he dies,
3: oh right, sure, translore,
2: yeah, when he goes to translore mm-hmm um i that's not one that I've seen many times, and also I I don't know if there's some that are I just don't watch very much because I don't like them,
3: yeah, nothing wrong with that,
2: so. Yeah, but I find myself watching the, like, suspenseful, spooky ones a lot. Cool.
3: I like that. You and I have not had a whole lot of conversation about Doctor Who since you've done your watch-through. I know we, we talked about it a little bit, and every once in a while, as you were watching, you would send me questions about different aspects of it. Uh, we haven't talked about companions, because the Doctor... You can you get, generally get a very different um, feel from a Doctor when you change up their companions. Are there any companions in particular you like? Well let me think. I liked
2: Peter Capaldi, his companion. So we have The one that Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. Okay. Jenna Coleman, so Clara. Had. Yeah. Yeah. I liked her. She was fun. I liked her like story. Yeah, okay. I thought I thought it was pretty interesting and I thought that she could have stayed on, or she should have stayed on a little longer. Uh-huh. But I thought there were a lot of good episodes with her. Yeah. Uh, who was Peter Capaldi's second
3: companion? So Bill. Bill. So he had... Bill oh. Potts. So he had Bill, Bill. for. For yeah. one season.
2: Uh, I liked. Actually, I liked a lot of those episodes. Those are ones that I was thinking that went on my list to rewatch. Oh, cool just meant a list to rewatch because a lot of them were really good, yeah, and then uh, I feel like he had another
3: companion nardal the uh the bald robot alien ah uh, yes and I missy, did... and a lot of a lot of his seasons involve uh the female master who oh yes, that was missy. also very fun, yeah, yeah, she's fun, she's great. <laughs> Have you gone back and watched any of the classic stuff? I don't know if any of it is available to you on I have on the streaming Not shows. gone back and uh rewatch any
2: of the classic so Doctor
3: nothing, Who episodes. So nothing nothing from 1963 to 1989. None of it. All right. We're going to change that next weekend, I think. <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm going to be driving through uh on the way to a Doctor Who convention and if uh, I'm there either in the evening or in the afternoon, I'll 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 bring a couple and uh maybe if we have some time we'll do a sit down and, and watch. You haven't got a chance to see any of the most recent doctor, right? You haven't seen I have
2: not because I watch it all on Prime Video, so yeah. I have not actually they're not out yet. You it takes like I don't know, maybe a year for the most recent season to go to Prime Video. Yeah, so that's I've, true. I've seen a couple episodes. Uh maybe like two or three episodes. Mhm. So I like the Companions. I'm a fan of the Companions. I think there's maybe too many of them, but I am <laughs> I like them. I'm not as much a fan of the Doctor this season.
3: Why do you think that is? I mean, I know, again, you haven't seen everything, so it's, it's kind of yeah. hard, but just based um, on first impressions?
2: Yeah, I mean, there doesn't seem to be, like... At least I don't see, like, a new character... It feels like she's just kind of an amalgam of the other characters, the other, or not a new character, a new doctor. It feels sure. like she's an amalgam of the other doctors. Like, I got a strong sense of Matt
3: Smith uh-huh.
2: with uh David Tennant.
3: Gotcha. So she, you don't, uh, from what you've seen, it doesn't feel like she's come into her own yet. She's more aping yeah. the other ones. Uh, well, you know...
2: And that's the impression of from the first two episodes, or first three episodes. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't
3: necessarily know. Hey, you know I think it would be fascinating? What we might want to do is once we get, a- get you access to those, that season, and uh, I may just bring that season, the uh, DVD over to you. I, I've got the season on DVD. Maybe I'll just bring that and drop that off with you. And you'll get a chance to watch it from start to finish, and you can... Uh, see if after you've watched that, your opinion has changed. That'll be kind of a fun thing. We'll bring you back on. We yeah. talk a lot about Doctor Who on the show, but we also talk about other television. Is there anything else before we let you go uh, that you're watching these days that has your attention, either something new or something old that you're enjoying on the TV? Well, I've been watching a lot of, like, vintage anime recently.
2: I don't know. Like what? Um, Well, I started this one show called Hellsing that's like an anime from yeah. the... I think, 90s. Yep. And I really enjoyed watching that. That's cool. And then I've been trying to get back into watching Robotech, which is an anime I watched when I was Uh. uh, like six or five. So I've been, I don't know, that's something that I've been watching a lot of recently.
3: Your father and I were Robotech nuts. In the 80s. Yeah, Yeah. man, Robotech, that that brings back uh, quite a lot of memories. Uh, Anything else you would recommend uh, that you think, uh, anything you think I might like that you've watched recently? Um, Yeah, I know you've been busy with school, so.
2: Yeah, lots of school and lots of video games.
3: (laughs) Well, you are in the 8th grade.
2: Yeah. Um, Oh, the OA on Netflix. Yeah. That's the other one that show has okay been so good i'm on the second season or just started the second season
3: we started the first episode about a w- couple of nights ago and based on the recommendations on some of my D players it so, is
2: i believe it my dad recommended it to me after i showed or after i said that legion is one of my favorite shows the Oh god, that's such a good show. He was like, they're <laughs> very similar, and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And then I watched it, and I was like, he was right; they're pretty, pretty
3: similar. Well, that's an uh, that's an outstanding recommendation in comparison. I, uh, having only watched the first episode, I'm I'm I definitely want to get into it a little bit more. I'm afraid that if I talk about it, I'll I'll uh, you'll you'll spoil something for me, so I'll hold off on there. It's something to look forward to and something to look forward to talking to you about when I see you next time. But until then, Simon, thanks for for joining us on the
2: podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Let me think. Oh, there's something else I wanted to say about uh, Doctor 2 and Doctor 3.
3: Okay. By the way, uh, every time you say Doctor 2 and Doctor 3, podcast listeners are probably cringing. uh, (laughs) Just because I know you... I know you mean, uh, 10 and 11. Um, yes, but the I'm old sorry. school fans are going, Oh, I'm that sorry not for talking about Trout and, and John viewers. <laughs>
2: I'm not talking about who you think I am.
3: That's fine. It's okay. I, 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 I understand what you you're saying. And I think they do too. Um, I think that
2: hands down, they have the best suspense mm. out of any other doctor and especially, uh, Matt Smith he just him like he just watching him in a suspenseful situation gives me anxiety and (laughs) makes me feel like I'm also in that suspenseful situation and just all of his little actions and movements and the way he talks and acts is it is very well done and it paints a very uh, beautiful picture of his situation
3: well, excellent i am glad that the show affects you in that way it's it's yeah. nice to to be engaged by something you like uh, yeah so cool buddy thanks okay. a lot for hanging out with me
2: yeah thanks for having me
3: love talking to my godson about doctor who um in the interview we kind of talk about how uh, the lodger is the first episode he watched and that's actually not true uh he overheard me talking about doctor who at one point in time and and i i didn't think about this during the interview, but his father showed him the Curse of Fatal Death. So that's a, technically the first Doctor Who episode oh. he ever saw. <laughs> so he went from the Curse of Fatal Death to The Lodger. So for him, Doctor Who, uh, even though he doesn't remember us showing him these, uh, started off as, as a, a funny thing. But there A you go. comedy show, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But anyway, you know, it's, it's great because I get to introduce someone I love and care about uh, to a show I love and care about.
1: Well, yeah, you've had a hand in turning your godson into a fan and i'm having a similar situation recently there's a guy at my work that i've been friends with for almost 18 years and i don't hang out with too many people outside of work but he and i do dinner every now and then and i take him to the bus stop almost every day after work so he's really big into movies and tv shows and that's mostly what we talk about and i can't believe it's taking me this long such a bad fan But I finally got around to telling him uh, about Doctor Who and and letting him try it out. The thing is, he's 72 years old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, his big era of shows and movies is mostly 50s, 60s, 70s. But he likes a lot of current stuff, too. So I thought maybe I'd start him out maybe with some Hartnell and at the same time some Tom Baker. Sort of hit two eras at once for a little variety there. Sure. And he's taken to it right away. Um. The first ones I gave him were uh, the Aztecs and Terra the Zygons. And so when he brought them back a couple of days later, he was like, those Zygars cars were pretty cool. <laughs> 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 and uh, it's pronounced Zed-cars. Right. <laughs> Since then, I've just been giving him the next story or two in each run, and he's mostly loved it. I, I saved his sanity by skipping the web planet. Um. And uh, even though he's a huge Western fan, he did not like the Gunfighters. Gunfighters uh, is not a Western; it's a musical. Right, and he—that's just it. It wasn't the story that he didn't like; it was that damn song. And uh, he said he couldn't take it anymore, and he tapped out in the beginning of episode four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, I, I actually have a real
3: soft spot for the Gunfighters, uh, but it's one of those. It's definitely one of those uh, Doctor Who stories where, if you watch it all the way through back to back to back Mm -hmm. that song can get a bit irritating but if you do what (laughs) I have been doing with classic Doctor Who and watch one story a night or one story a week it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to take and actually becomes
1: quite endearing that's probably true yeah Uh, and somewhere in there he kept seeing uh, the trailer for series 4 on the DVD so he asked for that and he really wanted to see this story about a huge wasp (laughs) oh Yeah, so uh, I love he, that story so much. Yeah, he was he was he actually really liked that story. I know it's not very popular, but he loved it. Um, he thought Tenet was okay, but he wasn't a fan of his hair. <laughs> um, but he's worked his way up to the War Machines and Robots of Death. That's what I gave to him the other day, and he keeps asking me every day to bring him more. So I've created a monster, but uh, it's so exciting to turn a new fan onto your favorite show, isn't it? It really is cool. And with having the Blu-rays coming out for full, complete
3: seasons, it, it's no longer going to be that case where we, we can't find you know certain episodes. Like, I, I own every Doctor Who story except for two, and I can't decide, do I want to spend 50 bucks to get a rare DVD copy of it, or do I want to wait a year or two and get the full season, including that one on Blu-ray. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to introducing my godson to the classic stories. In fact... Um, this, uh, at the time of recording, the next weekend is Who-Lanta in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, from where I live, I will actually be traveling to where my godson is before I get to Atlanta, so I'll actually get a chance to spend some time with him in person, and I, I think I might actually bring a classic story. Which one? I have not decided yet. Probably going to be an Earthly Child. Just this, just that first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not the um, Tribes of Gum, but Hulanta's got a great lineup this year, which is which is good news. The bad news of course is that this is Hulanta's final uh f- final convention. I mean mm-hmm. uh, at least that's what they're saying. They've seemed to to stick into their guns that this is it. Um of course, fingers crossed that they'll change their mind. But if this is going to be their final convention, they have got a pretty good lineup, of course, headlining for that one. We've got Janet Fielding, so who's always great on interviews, great with the guests and fans, so that's pretty impressive. Um, joining her, um, uh, guest of Who and Company, Edward Russell. Of course, you might remember from our first episode from last year talking about Tops of Pops. He's going to be there. so the brand manager talking about his time on Doctor Who. Uh, Jason Haig-Ellery, who I'd like to get on the show at some point in time, is definitely <laughs> going to be there representing Big Finish, which is going to be really cool. Um, Robert Alsop is going to be there, so we're going to talk about... Um, the production and uh, the, everything that he has put together for all that iconic costuming uh, and prop work that he's done, which is, I mean, like you think about it, it's it's so much. Um, John Davy is going to be there. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, the John, monster John Davey, guy, right? The monster guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think and I don't know this one for a fact. I'm, I feel like I'm pulling this. I feel like he has been in more episodes of Doctor Who than anybody else, and that includes any of the Doctors because he's he's usually the guy in the suit. Uh, behind the mask, sometimes you can actually see his face. I think uh, on the last, on Resolution, he was one of the soldiers. Like, he's been a part of so much of Doctor Who. So he's going to be there telling his stories. Lewis Robinson is going to be there talking about music. Um, Kelly Yates is going to be there talking about comics. So they've really hit all aspects of Doctor Who fandom. And yeah. so yeah, they're going out with a bang. So that's I'm really looking forward to that one and it's, it's one of my... Uh, regular conventions or has
1: been for the last four or five years uh bummer that it's going to be ending but that's... yeah exactly because i've never been and uh, i won't be able to go next week so i hope it's a it's a good last hurrah there yeah well you
3: won't be able to join us at who but uh it is time for us to thank our guests for joining us on our podcast so thank you so much for joining us on who and company who and company come for the fandom Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout-out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at Company. Support the show on patreon.com slash company, Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month.